Good morning, good morning, podcasters. How are we today? It is an absolutely beautiful morning here in uh, Montreal. The blue sky and the sun shining, as Monique said this morning, makes me feel like I want to be outside walking instead of inside podcasting. But fortunately for you, this is not going to take very long. So uh, you'll be out there um, pretty soon. So today we are continuing with our book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And last week we talked a lot about minding your own business. This week we're going to hear more about some of the things that rich people do to uh, make themselves richer and uh, some of the things that the poor people hang on to. So remember the story of Robin Hood? He robbed the rich to give to the poor. Many people love the idea of this, the idea that the rich people get their money taken away from them and it gets redistributed amongst the poor. Um, but unfortunately, uh, Robert, he, he told us that Rich Dad, he did not think of Robin Hood as a hero. He thought of him as a crook because he said taking money from rich to give to the poor was really the premise of taxes. And if we could all take that back, we would be really happy, I think. Um, and it, it, it backfired on people. So what happened was in, um, in uh, the olden times in England and US, there were no taxes, right? right up to 1874 in England and 1915 in the US. And but what they used to do is they would levy taxes or they would levy money from people when they needed it. So if they went off to the Napoleonic Wars, for example, they then would ask for funds from people. And of course, the only people that could give them funds were the rich. So at that time, it was pretty balanced. The rich would pay for things that the country were doing um, and the poor would just um, be able to sort of keep surviving, I suppose. I mean, there are a lot of other problems <laughs> at that time, but certainly the taxing was not one of the problems. Um, so initially, when taxes were introduced, um, they were only paid by rich people. And they were accepted by everybody because uh, the governments campaigned on the fact that they were literally taking money from the rich to give to the poor. And everybody liked that idea. Uh, however, it started to go wrong when governments got greedy. They wanted more and more money and they started to take money from everyone. Now, the government and the rich, they work differently. So when you're uh, a government uh, person, you pay money. So you get paid to spend money to have people to have more spending and more money until your department gets so big that you're respected, right? So there's something, there's a flaw with that. But anyway, that's how it works. The more money to spend, the more people you have, the bigger you get, the more respected you are in government. In, for rich people, it's completely the opposite. 
So what rich people do is the fewer people they can hire with the less money spent is what gets them respected by investors. So they're doing their best to keep the costs low and the income high, whereas the government are doing their best to, to spend all the money that they have in order to be able to get some more. So um, as governments grew um, and all the different departments and everything grew, more money was needed. And educated dad believed in the government. He believed that they were there for the greater good. And he, he absolutely believed um, in uh, the Peace Corps. And so what he was always doing, and he, he joined the Peace Corps, uh, and campaigned for them. And what he was always doing was trying to get more money for grants and money f and more people to get more money from the government to have more people in education and the Peace Corps. So basically, educated dad, he absolutely fell in to the philosophy of if I spend more money and I have more people, then I'm going to be more respected. And so um, he was not alone in this and governments wanted more and more money. And so they began to take money from everyone. Now the rich people, they're smart as well. So what rich people did was they found ways not to spend taxes legitimately. So they, um, they uh, remembered the days of corporations where um, a whole group of people would get together to form a co corporation, which um, then the corporation would employ sailors, would uh, find the ship, etc., etc., and it would go off in its voyage. And if the voyage failed, the only thing that the investor was up for was the amount of money that they put in for that particular voyage. So it was a way of, of producing good results without spending a lot of money. So they already knew that was a way to control money. So although initially everybody was happy with the amount of money going to government and made everyone feel good, what happened was that the government would take on all this money but not manage it. They didn't try and save it, they didn't try and invest it, they just spent it. And at the end of every financial year, Marie-Pierre and I were laughing about this yesterday, uh, whether you work for the government or whether you work for a company, when it comes near to the end of the financial year, everybody's spending as fast as they can so that they can justify their budget for the next year, which, you know, in my mind just seems so ridiculous. Uh, true capitalists found their own solution. So what they started to do was form corporations. Now, the, the corporation, what we all need to understand, it's just a piece of paper. There's no building, there's no, uh, you know, employees. Well, they can be employees, but they're employees on paper too. And there's no substance to it. It's just a way of managing taxes. And so uh, all of the rich people were starting to form corporations so that their income 
which they took from the corporation was much lower than actually the money they were receiving, which they just put into the corporation. So it was a way of um, reducing taxes. In America, the average American works for four to five months for free. And each time um, they try to punish the rich by putting on higher taxes or, or trying to find another way to get money from them, that the rich are smart and they outmaneuver the uh, process. So the rich have money and with that comes great power. And great power gives you ability to get good knowledge. So they, they use the money to get knowledge to ultimately keep making money. Um, and uh, unfortunately, um, the, the poor do not have the resources to be able to get that knowledge to then be able to fight back for themselves. So if you work for money, you give power to the employer. If money works for you, you keep the power and control it. And financial education can save you from being bullied. And let's face it, the biggest bully is the tax man because you can't fight back. Whatever he says goes and you have to do it. I know this year, for example, um, you know, the tax man told me, okay, you got to make two lump sum payments and they're huge. And I have to make them, I had to make one in September. I have to make one in December. Probably what it's going to mean is next year, I won't have in April much tax to pay, but still I can't disobey it because if I disobey it, guess what they do? Charge interest and then I pay more. So the tax man is a bully um, and, um, you know, financial education can protect you a bit. Now, Robert knew by the age of 15, 16, that he would not be following the path of the educated dad's ideas. He did not want to be working for somebody, uh, getting a paycheck and giving money to lots of other people. So um, he set his mind to that. And um, after he had served some time in the military, he came back and in his mid-twenties, he started to work for Xerox. And he started to realize that he needed to get his rich dad mentality into action. So he was working for a company called Xerox at the time and Xerox paid him well, but every month he would get his paycheck and then he would be really disappointed because so much of it disappeared for different uh, things, uh, you know, taxes of course being one of them. And he said, I, I am not going to live like this. I'm not going to get a paycheck, give my money back to everybody else and not be able to, um, to benefit from the money I'm making. So he determined that he was going to become the best employee. He was going to become the one that made the most money. He got lots of promotions and what happened, and this is where all of us can take a lesson from this is sure his money increased that was coming in, but so did his, um, 
um, deductions, so he was still losing money, but he kept living the same way. So now what happened was he started to have a surplus of money each month when he got his paycheck. And he formed in after, um, in 1974, he formed his first corporation. And so all of his spare money that was coming in from Xerox, and he was continuing to make rise up to make more money, to pay more deductions, but pour more money, pour money into his corporation. So his assets were growing and he was building his first real estate corporation. And what happened was he worked hard, he got more pay, he, he had more money to play with. And in less than three years, he was making more money in his real estate holding corporation than he was at Xerox, three years. And now we, we've seen that at Tupperware that people have come into Tupperware and in less than a year, they're making more money than they were in their job that they had before. So all of this is possible. Um, and he kept his day job going. So he had security, if you like, for a while, but he was using his spare time and spare money to build up his business. Um, and what he did after a while, he bought a Porsche. I'm not sure that's something I would have done, but he bought a Porsche and it became a symbol of his success. And his, his fellow employees thought he was buying a Porsche from his commissions at Xerox because he was a salesman, but he wasn't. He was taking the Porsche from his company, from his corporation. So um, I'm now going to um, pass it over to Mary Pierre, who's going to tell you a little bit more about what you need to be able to make that transformation from being an employee to a person with money. So over to you, uh, Mary Pierre. Thank you, Melanie. So yes, uh, there's seven points that you have to understand from this chapter that is talking about the, those taxes and corporations. So that's all those big words <laughs> for me. And I say, okay, how can we uh, just take this and uh, really understand at the basic? Oh, I can under hear myself, Melanie. I think uh, I your mic. I'm really sorry, Mary Pierre. I have the sound on my computer turned off, but for some reason it's. I'll just turn. <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> okay, I think we're good. Oh no. <laughs> okay, try again, try again. And now? Okay, yeah. that's good. <laughs> yes. Okay, so there's seven points you have to understand from this chapter. So number one is you have to know how to play the game. So the problem is the people who lose are the end form and the ones who get up every day and diligently go to work and pay taxes. So if they only understood the way the rich play the game, they could play it too. So understand how to play the game. So for this, just continue with us. We will continue with this book. We'll know more about this game we have to play. <laughs> Number two is find ways to minimize your tax burden. So every time 
people try to punish the rich, just like Mélanie said, the rich don't simply comply. They will react and they have money, so they have power and the intent to change things. So they don't just sit there and voluntarily pay more taxes. Instead, they will search for ways to minimize their tax burden. So when you do a little bit of research on that subject, the first way to reduce your taxes in Canada is to use a side hustle to claim business deduction, just like an MLM. So for me, for Melanie, it was Tupperware. So just to have this MLM that you create a business basically for free, <laughs> and now you can uh, claim all those these deduction on your uh, taxes. So find way to uh, minimize your tax burden. Number three is keep your power. So if you work for money, you give the power to your employer. If money works for you, you keep the power and you control it. So remember, you want your money to work for you. Number four is to be smart. So be smart and you won't be pushed around as much. So when he talks in the book about his rich dad, he said that yes, he knew the law because he was a law abiding citizen and because it was expensive not to know the law. So make sure to be smart and to know uh, the law. So one way is to make sure to invest in you because investing in yourself is one of the best returns on investment you can have. Whether it's investing in learning a new skill, developing yourself personally or professionally, tapping into your creativity or hiring a coach is crucial to give yourself as well as to others. So each of us has a different interpretation of self-investment. Many of these interpretations undoubtedly overlap. So we're sure that many people have convinced their parents that hours spent playing a game represent a self-investment. So in the leanest sense, however, self-investment includes a range of potential undertaking. So some are universal in their appeal and access, while others depend on one's own personal circumstance. So just for example, learn a new skill or improve an existing one. Network so you don't have you don't know who you will meet and how this connection can pay it forward. Read books across a range of genres. Take care of your health. Take courses that pique your interest on a personal and professional level, and travel cross country, continent, and around the world if possible. So be smart and invest in yourself. Number five. It's turn your dollar into great employee because each dollar in your asset column is a great employee. So working hard makes more employee. <laughs> so that means your money works for you. So that's how they are great employee. And when your money works for you, your assets will grow bigger. So that means more employee to make it better. So turn your dollar into great employee. Number six, it's financial intelligence is key, so learn it and teach it. So without this financial knowledge, knowledge which he called the financial intelligence or financial IQ, the road to financial independence will, mu will be much more difficult. So then you can teach others in the hope to share this knowledge with others. So start with the basics. So start with reading about creating a spending plan, your debt and credit management, your mortgage, retirement planning, getting a loan and knowing your consumer right. So just start with the basic. And after that, 
read, read, and read. So search online, go to the bookstore, visit your local library to find books written by financial specialists. So you can also subscribe to Money Management Magazine to keep your knowledge fresh and relevant, plus get tips from your finance pro. And of course, your mentor. You have someone with those finance that you want to have? Ask them some questions. And number seven, it's what is exactly that financial IQ? So what is made of? So um, he says that it, first it's accounting. So the more money you are responsible for, the more accuracy is required or the house comes tumbling down. After that, investing. So investing is the science of money making money. So this involves strategy and formula which use the creative right brain side. After that, you have understanding the market because understanding the market is the science of supply and demand. So you need to know the technical aspect of the market, which are emotion driven in addition to the fundamental and or, or economic aspect, aspect of an investment. After that, you have the law. So a person who understands the tax advantage and protection can get rich so much faster. After that, you have the tax advantage. So for example, if you are owning your own corporation, your vacation can be your board meeting it too in Hawaii. <laughs> and after that, you have the protection from lawsuits. So the rich, the rich hide much of their wealth using vehicles such as corporation and trust to protect their assets from creditor. So when someone sue a wealthy individual, they are often met with lawyer uh, lawyers of legal protection and often find that the wealthy person actually owns nothing just like melanie explained to us <laughs> so yes just remember those seven steps and we'll continue with that so just yes life will get complicated and sometimes and sometimes and finance can be one of the top stressors so while creating a corporation may not be part of your current financial strategy it could be worth it in the end to just look at all your available options. Because yes, there's a lot of options. You have to make sure that you have that financial IQ up so you learn about it and you know exactly what to do with your money to make sure that your money will work for you and you won't work for your money. So I will let Melanie with the close of this chapter to understand exactly. Okay, so um, when we talk about um, uh, having financial IQ, obviously learning, as Mary-Pierre says, being able to understand how your money comes in, what you can do with it, how you can make it better as a tax person. Now, in uh, Canada, we are extremely lucky because we have um, a level of taxation which is called self-employed. And a self-employed person is treated in many ways like a corporation, except that it, it's not a separate entity. But what do I mean by that? I mean that in a biz business owners with corporations, what they have is this system. Number one, they earn. Number two, they spend. And number three, they pay taxes. That's exactly what we do at Tupperware as a self-employed person. We earn our money, we, we uh, spend on all of our um, expenses, and then we pay taxes. 
which is a huge advantage in today's climate. Now, if you're an employee, it's completely different because you earn, but then you pay your taxes and then you have your spending with what's left over. And imagine if you pay 50% on your taxes or 49.5 or whatever the top level is, it is you end up um, having much, much less money to spend because you've paid so many taxes. So having a sideline in Tupperware can actually be beneficial even if you're an employee because if your expenses in your business are high because you you can you put different things on on your business it actually can offset against your taxes as an employee so having a sideline business where it actually is a business is going to help you in the long run to be able to save more money to see your money work for you instead of you working for your money. So um, that is one uh, thing that I used to talk to Alan about a lot. And uh, it's something that um, is so beneficial to us. And it's not just one, it's just another reason for you to think about joining an MLM. So I think that that's a wrap for today, uh, Mary Pierre. Bye everybody.